0: You're listening to Blockchain for Beginners, the place where we blend education about Web3 with mind-opening conversation. Hello and welcome back to Blockchain for Beginners podcast. Our mission is to help 1 million people understand and navigate Web3 while having mind-opening conversations around philosophy, humanity, and creativity under the realm of technology. As well, Blockchain for Beginners is a media partner with Canada's largest blockchain conference, the Futurist Conference. It runs for two days from August 9th to 10th, 2022, where there are many speakers. There is a blockchain boot camp, a VIP party, and more. And if you're looking for tickets, you can get 25% off of your tickets by entering the code BEGINNERS25. So all that information will be linked in the podcast description. So let's dive right into our podcast topic for today, which is what is web 3? Sometimes this term can be really confusing, especially if you were like, I didn't even know that the web had numbers. <laughs> like I just jump on my computer, I use the web, you know, what is web 1, web 2, and now we're at web 3, what the heck is going on? So I In this episode, I hope that we can break this down in a really easy to understand way about what Web3 is and how it's different than the web that we are currently using. So let's start by looking at the differences between Web1, Web2, and Web3, and we'll start at the very beginning. So let's start with Web1. All the way back in the 90s, the internet was about information, and developers would build websites that held topic boards and blogs. So, you know, you go on your website, you're putting up information, that's there. Uh, there was a lot of topic boards, I remember people just posting things on the boards, and it was really like a static website. Kind of like what we have today with our blogs, but it looked a little bit rougher than that. When you signed into something like MSN Messenger, you had a username and a password, and that's really how you authenticated yourself on the internet. That's how you had access to things in Web One. And we still see this today. We know we're asked to put in our username and our password, and that's because as things evolve, we still have some of the fundamental things from Web 1. And then as we evolve from Web 2 to Web 3, we're still going to have some underlying uh, things from Web 2. So according to a free Code camp article, it says, Web 1 consisted of sites serving static content instead of dynamic HTML data and content were served from a static file system rather than a database and sites didn't have much interactivity at all you can think of web one as the read only web which lasted from 1991 to 2004 so it was just basically you're online and you can read only that's it right you can go from page to page but that's really all you can do So as we move into Web 2, we're getting more interactivity in what we can actually do on the internet. Now, when we think of Web 2, this is what most people think about when experiencing uh, the web, right? It's largely social media. And it's largely like a social interacting place now, as opposed to just going online and reading information, which was Web 1. So in Web 2, you can think about all of the social media apps that we use today, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter. You know, there's so many social media apps and places to be social. And these apps are relatively easy to use, uh, and they allow people to create straight from the app. And of course we still have websites and blogs but we also have search engine optimization which allows people to use keywords in order to get their information ranked on top search engines like google web 2 was also the dawn of the creator economy it's when a large portion of the population started to really create things and put their ideas online in the form of Photos, videos, audio, and more. Web2 is also characterized by large social companies and platforms profiting from user data. It is completely free to sign up to social media apps like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, etc. They do not charge you money to join because they will ultimately make a profit from your data. Businesses use your data to send you targeted ads that are going to try to sell you something, and they want to learn more. about your demographic, who you are, what you like, what you're interested in, and they use it for future use cases. So if you have a bunch of data on your demographic, you can sell that data to other people who are also trying to sell those same people something. So it's free to sign up for these social media apps but it's not free because we're giving up our data In order for them to use it to sell us things and you know whatever else they want to do. So essentially in web 2 your data is being taken and sold. In web 2 the social platforms also own your content and your following. Uh, this is true if you've ever had a, a social media platform, let's say Instagram, and suddenly your Instagram is taken down without your warning, they just remove it, you've just lost all of the content that you've posted there as well as all of the following that you've built. The only way that people truly own their following I believe in Web2 is to have an email list because if you build an email list then you have you know all of these people's emails and even if you get taken down from you know, all of the social media platforms, you can still reach out to your following through email. So, essentially, in web two, we have more interactivity, we have, you know, people being social, um, and we have the ease of accessibility, but we trade that for having no ownership over our data, content, or following. And this is where web 3 comes in so now we're getting into what is web 3 web 3 at its core at its very core is about decentralization where no one party has control and there is more benefit to the creator when you think about web 3 instead of having a username and a password it will be more about having the ease of connecting your crypto wallet and this wallet will be used to connect everything that you do on the web so essentially you'll have one place of connection instead of having to log in with a different username and password to every single thing that you're wanting to do for example if you create content you can sign that content with your wallet address and if someone wants to see everything that you've created they will be able to do so Also, because it is connected to a crypto wallet, it will make paying creators for their work much easier. If you write a newsletter or a blog, for example, and that article gets shared 500 times, you have the ability to get paid for every person who shares your work. We didn't see this before with Web2. If they're sharing it, the way that you could get paid is if maybe you're selling a product or service, somebody finds your blog, and then they email you. Now, if your blog post gets shared 500 times, you have the potential to get paid a a small amount for every single share, so that could really add up, especially for creators who are thinking ahead and building their following, building their community, and giving value to their community. So Web3 really has the ability to give power back to the creators through perpetual royalties. And the characteristics of Web3 are verifiable, That's what we're doing. We're verifying our authenticity through our uh, crypto wallet, uh, through uh, NFTs, right? Where we have a cryptographic hash code that lets us know that we are the owner of that. It's trustless. We don't need to really have a a third party come in and verify things because the way the blockchain technology works, we're able to verify things for ourselves. Uh, It's self-governing it's permissionless, distributed and robust, stateful, and it has native built-in payments. So if we're getting down to like what technically is Web3, it is a mixture of blockchain technology, artificial intelligence and the internet of things. So I I really thought that this article from FreeCodeCamp was amazing. So this portion of the podcast is going to be from a FreeCodeCamp article, which I will link in the podcast description if you want to take a look and read it for yourself. So it says that when you hear about Web3, you'll notice that cryptocurrency is often part of the conversation. This is because cryptocurrency plays a big role in many of these protocols. It provides a financial incentive for anyone who wants to participate in creating, governing, contributing to, or improving one of the projects themselves. These protocols may often offer a variety of different services like compute, storage, bandwidth, identity, hosting, and other web services commonly provided by cloud providers in the past. People can make a living by participating in the protocol in various ways in both technical and non-technical ways. Consumers of the service usually pay to use the protocol similarly to how they would pay a cloud provider like AWS today. Except in Web3, the money goes directly to the network participants. In this, like many forms of decentralization, you'll see that unnecessary and often inefficient intermediaries are cut out. Decentralization gives back to the participants and deals less with the middlemen. An example of a middleman here would be like a bank. So every time you go to use your debit card or credit card or you know however you're using your money there what needs to happen Is you use your card but that transaction has to be verified through the bank itself and we see this happen when you want to transfer money into your bank account or perhaps you're writing a check or something it will take them you know sometimes three to five sometimes I've had even two weeks to verify a certain check or verify that the money is supposed to be yours and so that is the middleman we call banks the middleman because they're the person that really has the power here to verify and have control over your finances. So in Web3, what we're really talking about is decentralization, where we are removing that middleman. We no longer need it because we're able to authenticate and verify our transactions ourselves. So in Web3, using blockchain technology, we can authenticate payments quickly you know it'll happen in a matter of seconds or minutes Uh, if I've used an exchange before where it went directly into my bank account I had that money within five minutes and I was able to use it so it's a lot faster than really going through that middleman uh, that we spoke about previously So we'll have quick payments without the interference of a third party, and this will also happen with many businesses, industries, and especially with one-on-one creators as we move forward. So to recap, Web 1 was all about information. It was very static. You could basically go onto the web and read. Uh, Web 2 was about being social, but we traded comfort for little to no ownership over our data and our following. And Web 3 is about personal power and ownership over data and what we create, as well as operating on a decentralized system. It combines blockchain technology, artificial intelligence, and the Internet of Things. So hopefully this helped you understand a little bit more about what is Web3 and as always I will link down below some articles that you can look at if you want to get a deeper understanding of it on your own. Uh, As always this space is all about do your own research but I think that we should show people how to do research, where to do research. So I have all the articles linked down below and I really appreciate you being here and helping the podcast grow and i love for more of you to become part of the community. So do join us on Discord and let us know if you have any ideas how you can contribute. We're always looking for people to contribute and I thank you so much for listening again to Blockchain for Beginners.